Cefesa members, welcome to the monthly President's Cefesa podcast. With us today is Deirdre Flynn. She is the Executive Vice President of NAFM. Welcome, Deirdre. Thanks, Kirby. It's a pleasure to be with you. Pleasure to be with you. Uh, hopefully, these Zoom calls will go away and we're going to see ourselves uh, face-to-face shortly, right? Absolutely. We are five weeks away from the NAFM show in Orlando, so we're excited that it's an opportunity to finally see people after these 18 months. How about that? Well, we'll, we'll get to uh, the NAFM show in a couple of minutes. The NAFM members in particular, how, they, how are they doing post-COVID? You know, I, they're they're holding up as well as can be expected. You know, certainly um, these past 18 months have have posed tremendous challenges for the industry. And just as we kind of come through one dark cloud, it seems that there's another storm looming. But um, I would say that all in all, they have held up very well. Um, they've been probably more engaged with each other than ever before. There's been great sharing of information. Um, everybody was. Uh, scrambling to try to make sure they could meet customer needs, they could meet their employees' needs, um, and they can continue to provide the solutions that were necessary. You all were faced with the same thing as as things were shutting down. Some used it as an opportunity to get things fine-tuned so that when they were ready to reopen, they could be there. Others used it as, um, as a time to regroup and rethink. I think there was a lot of uh, opportunity for member companies to focus on some things internally, um, R&D, and, and look at when we come out of this, how can we come out of this stronger and better and with lots of opportunities for our customers. So all in all, I'm really proud of all that they contributed. Like you all, they were still frontline. They were still working. They were still responsible for serving customer needs and helping their customers through this. Uh, certainly drive-through business was very busy, um, but so many restaurants and food service outlets switched to some kind of um, carry-out, take-out, pick-up kind of opportunity that was new and different that required um, some expertise and some help across the uh, across the enterprise, from our consultant friends, from our dealers, from our service techs, and certainly from the manufacturers So, um, and their representatives. So um, I'm really proud of all that they continue to contribute to our wonderful industry. Once again, our industry has proven to be very resilient. And um, I am amazed of the teamwork that we've had amongst the FESA members. And just like you said, most of FESA members took the opportunity to better themselves. I mean, we, we, we were usually just so busy that we didn't have time to do the things that we wanted to do to improve as a, as a, a service company. And many of us took the time looking at our different processes and said, why do we do it this way? And if the answer was, because we've always done it that way, I said, okay, okay well, well, let's look at that again. So we, we at Elmer Schultz, as well as most of FESA members, took the opportunity to, to really take a, a hard look at the way things are done and how we can improve things. I think that's a great comment, Kirby. It's the resilience that the industry had and the flexibility. You know, all of you shifted from in-person meetings, in-person training to quickly adapting to visual opportunities. Look at the podcast that you're doing to keep members connected. We've done the same thing we do. We did daily webcasts that moved to three times a week that moved to weekly, and we've carried those weekly webcasts through this year too. But I think resilience is a great word to use for how the industry has responded. And they used the time effectively and efficiently and didn't skip a beat really in trying to stay informed and stay connected to their customers and their channel partners. Mm -hmm. 
Cefesa members in particular, um, I think the smaller companies did not lay off uh, that many people uh, or furloughed so many people. In, in, in the anathem world, uh, I should say that, you know, really what we're dealing with now is the fact that we cannot hire enough help. And I know we've, we've always had that problem, but that situation has compounded itself tenfold now. Is NAFM finding the same problem? Yeah, we are. So, you know, throughout when, when lockdown happened, obviously there was a lot of shifting that companies had to do to, to meet demand and to manage their business. So we, we heard anecdotally from our member companies that there were some layoffs, there were some furloughs, there were some kind of reconfiguring and reassigning uh, of tasks and opportunities within their company. Um, and all talked and planned for that day where they could come back um, and bring people back and come back stronger. But the, we, we also saw a lot of retirements because uh, we all knew going into the pandemic or not anticipating that the pandemic was going to happen, of course, but we all knew going into, into 2020 that we expected the biggest exodus of talent in our industry at our member companies from 21 to 23. As the new generation is coming in and starting to run companies and be in significant positions within our member companies. Uh, and the pandemic maybe accelerated that a little bit. I think for a number of people, it was, you know, I, I, I'm just not going to go through another rebound. I, I'm done. You know, I was going to be done in 22, so I'm going to be done. So our member companies were faced with some retirements of talent too. Hmm. But the bigger problem is we've been, we've been at odds with how to attract people into the industry for a long period of time. And the pandemic has certainly exacerbated that. So the hunt for talent is even greater than it was two years ago, or, um, you know, this from conversations Cefesa and FM have had together. We've been searching for talent probably ever since you came on the board of Cefesa and moved up the leadership ranks in Cefesa. So, um, that still is a number one priority. Talent acquisition will always be a priority for for NAFM member companies. How about that? Uh, I've I've been preaching for the last six months, uh, while I've been president, that um, that that kids coming out of high school feel that they have to go to college, and I'm trying to explain to um, these younger younger generation that no, don't 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 force yourself down the path of college and get yourself in debt of a hundred thousand dollars right because it's not what it used to be and you know it's colleges are, are for profit and there's another avenue and that, that other avenue is you can come work for a Cefesa company we will pay you to train you and in four years you will not be in debt a hundred thousand dollars you'll have a hundred you'll, you'll have been paid that much money uh, if not more, obviously, in four years. And it's a great career path. And, and you know, we, we've been trying to make this industry sexy for some time. And I think people don't realize how uh, the the relationships that you forge over the years are, are like no, none other in, in any other industry. Uh, you know, we're actually sharing inventory right now because of the supply chain issues. Cefesa uh, members are calling each other saying, hey, do you have this part? Yeah, I got I got three of them. I'll sell you one. I mean, that's that's unheard of, which is which is fascinating. Right, right. I think that that's that's another great comment, Kirby. That it's 
um, for years, I think the industry's gotten a bad rap. People think it's, you know, flipping burgers and low paying and not a lot of opportunity. And that's the complete opposite of what this industry represents. Um, depending on what your interests are, look at how you can work across an enterprise in any of our um, industry association based companies, uh, whether or not you're an IT person or an, and look at how IT has changed for our industry over time or accounting or administration or customer service or um, technical skills. That's all very different. And the industry isn't just about flipping burgers. It's about so much more. But as you pointed out, most importantly, it's about relationships. And it's something that people get in and they don't get out of very easily. Once they're in, they're in for good. So it's just finding those people to draw them in because I think they'll find it's very valuable and very rewarding personally and professionally to them. About that. A uh, typical CFSA member, believe it or not, is, is in the range of 20 to 30 employees and or around 5 million in revenue a year. I think our listeners are going to be shocked when I ask you this question because I think I know the answer, but what is the typical size of a, a NAFA member? So uh, 60% of NAFA member companies are under $10 million in revenue, and 42% of that 60% are under $5 million in revenue. So the, average, the typical NAFA member, I would say, hovers in the 50 and under employee range. Um, so, And that's a surprise to people. People think that NAFA members are, are over $100 million companies, and that only represents 7% of our membership. And our membership is about 600 companies uh, that are members of NAFA, which we think represents about 98% of the manufacturing for, of food service equipment and supplies out there. That's amazing. That I, I heard that um, years ago, and I, I, it just stuck with me. And um, you're, you're right. When I think of a NAFA member, I think, I think of a big, huge company. Uh, I, they're, 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 those companies are out there, but that's not the majority, which is fascinating to me. Um, so I hear you cannot buy a fryer right now. <laughs> is, that, <laughs> is that true? What is going on in uh, in your world with uh, with the lead times and the supply chain issues and the rising cost of materials? Uh, that's mm -hmm. obviously what, probably the biggest concern for you guys right now. Absolutely. As we speak, uh, Charlie Serrata is leading 19 different member companies through a series of virtual fly-in meetings with legislators and regulators in Washington, D.C. to talk through the supply chain challenges, the tariff challenges, and a myriad of other issues that are impacting severely impacting our industry. So I know that supply uh, if the pandemic wasn't enough, on top of the pandemic, you get supply chain. Um, uh, members have described it to me as a whack-a-mole approach. You just you, know, you no sooner solve one particular issue, and you are faced with another. Um, access to containers coming across the water is limited. Um, access to equipment and the materials needed to get the equipment built is a challenge. We've heard anything from a two week to a eight month delay in terms of getting product to a customer. So I think it's um, certainly the pressure is on. Um, and unfortunately, you don't know when the, it, it, I don't think that anybody it will balance, it will work itself out. But I think we're still going to go through a lot of pain before it hits that point. How about that? 
Uh, I just uh, just got off the phone with Paul Wiseman. He's with the Associated Press, uh, and he asked me if manufacturers uh, were considering um, manufacturing more in-house or producing more of their own product. In other words, not buying thermostats from China or something like that. Or, or, or is there any talk at all about having better, more control of the actual, the actual parts that are used equipment together? I, I think that's the problem. It doesn't matter whether or not it's here or it's across the water. Still, access is limited because the materials needed to build those parts and components that go into the products that our members build um, are still in short supply. So I think more and more of that has come as has necessarily come back over time. You know, there was a, a myth that a lot of what NAFA member companies were manufacturing, they were manufacturing overseas and bringing over. And really a lot of those that have manufacturing overseas did that to help serve overseas markets, you know, in comparison. So um, it's a challenge. It yes, will it continue is. to be a challenge. Okay, let's switch gears here a little bit. Let's talk about the NAFM show. My favorite I'm, topic. <laughs> I'm excited. Obviously, the NAFM show is August 26th through the 28th in Orlando at the Orange County Convention Center. Uh, I'm looking forward to um, getting back to – I used to dread, dread uh, conventions, uh, but doing them for 35 years. But I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to seeing – you know, all, the, all, all the people that I've done business with and all the relationships that we have forged over the years. So I'm certainly looking forward to it. Uh, could you tell our listeners um, what do you suspect might be different this year? Is less participation, more? Uh, do you know if any rules or regulations or state regulations that are going to impede the um, convention? So um, first and foremost, as you outlined, it's August 26th to 28th. It's at the Orange County Convention Center, but we are in the West Building this year. So the NAFM show in past years that it's been in Orlando, in recent past years that it's been in Orlando, it's been in the North-South Building. That's the building that's in between the Hyatt and the Hilton Hotels. This, The West Building is directly across the street from the uh, Hyatt and it's anchored by the Rosen Center and the Rosen Plaza hotels in comparison. You can still access it from the Hilton easily. There are walkways and all of that, but we're in the West building this year, which is different. Um, we are, uh, it's a slightly smaller show than what people are used to. It's hard to compare it to 19 because 2019 was the largest NAFM show ever. So we have about 418 exhibiting companies. They're taking up just about 217,000 square feet of space currently. We stop exhibit sales when we still have requests for exhibit space coming in. We stop exhibit sales at the end of this month to allow exhibitors to have plenty of time to order all the necessary services that they need to make their booths perfect and beautiful for coming attendees. Um, attendance, we anticipated that an total attendance would be 50% of what it was because of in 2019 because of the pandemic. So our typical attendance is, to, is a total attendance of about 20,000, equally split between exhibitors and um, exhibitors and their manufacturers, reps, and attendees. Um, this year, currently, we have 3,500 3, attendees pre-registered for the show. Um, and we were anticipating that we would be at 50% of that attendance. So we're expecting 10,000 total attendees 
um, 5,000 of those being um, attendees and 5,000 being exhibitors and their reps. So our total attendance right now as of today is uh, 6,500. So we're on the way to that 10,000 number. Um, attendance is tracking. We go up about 200 attendees each, um, each week. So we're very happy to see uh, and as restrictions have been lifted across states, we're starting to see more interest in people who were kind of on the fence about whether or not they were going to participate. Of course, we're excited that it's the first opportunity for the industry to be back together after these 18 barren months. I'm sure when you took the, the presidency of Cefesa, you never expected you'd have to travel so infrequently for Cefesa in comparison to industry events as that's happening. Everything that we're doing is centered on the show floor. So um, one of the new features of the show this year is we are building a TV production studio where our educational sessions will be housed each day. Um, and if you look at the NAFM floor plan on the nafmshow.org, you'll see something called at center stage at the back of the hall. So think today show, think good morning America kind of set. That's what we're creating. There'll be a main tent educational session there each day. And then um, some spot reporting that will be done. It will all be, uh, there will be a combination of pre-recorded and live sessions, and it will all be streamed on our show app as well, which is called N+, which is new this year. So attendees will have access to the show app um, on August 18th to start planning their schedule and seeing all that's going to be at the show. Wow. Interesting. Uh, and and uh, typically in the past, a lot of food's been being prepped and handed out because of COVID. Is that going to be less do you know sampling is still allowed um there are we have a, a pretty active health and safety plan of course that changes weekly and we are in constant communication with the center the city of orlando the county and our show team on making sure that we're ensuring a safe environment for folks uh there uh, the current, we will follow any rules that the building uh, requires of us in terms of putting the show on. So you will see signage that reminds you to utilize the hand sanitizing stations that are there. Um, you will, uh, if you are fully vaccinated, you are not required to wear a mask. That's the current ruling. Um, proof of vaccination is not necessary. There will be uh, reminders to do hand washing. Those companies that typically provide samples to show you how the equipment works, because that's how we allow food to be um, passed out at the NAFM show. If it's integral to demonstrating how the equipment works, they can pass out samples. But every NAFM exhibitor that is doing that is getting a special sampling kit, which includes a hand washing and sanitizing station. Their servers will be masked and gloved, um, again, to to following the rules and the recommendations of uh, the building in terms of how we handle that feature at the show, manage that feature at the show. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it'll be it'll be different, but uh, not nothing that we're not used to in the last eighteen nothing months. Nothing that you're not used to. Excellent. Okay, Correct. I do have one last topic I want to discuss with you, and uh, again for our members, um, they've they've seen at the end of people's names and at the end of your name it says CFSP. Could you explain what that means? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So CFSP stands for Certified Food Service Professional. 
This is an individual designation that someone in the industry can earn. Um, it requires industry experience, uh, completion and successful passing of a comprehensive examination. And then just like a CPA or lawyer's license, you continue to maintain it year to year by paying yearly dues and proving, demonstrating that you have participated in industry activity. So almost 30 years ago, NAFM, um, NAFM wanted to uh, develop an industry designation that would explain to the industry that those representatives of the industry who were CFSP certified demonstrated that they understood um, the total requirements for a kitchen and what it was to pull a kitchen together. And they had complete um, knowledge of the industry. They didn't want it to be a designation that just went to somebody entering the industry. They wanted people to, to prove after years of service and commitment to the industry in terms of participation and their own professional development, that there was a professional development opportunity that would be recognized in the industry. There are some 1,200 individuals that carry, currently carry the CFSP designation. It is a very comprehensive examination. If you have worked on the hot side of the industry for 20 years and think you can walk in and take the test and understand everything, you'll be pleasantly surprised that that probably isn't going to happen for you because it addresses the complete um the completeness of the industry. It talks about the chain, the the who the key players are in the industry, um, uh, uh, different kinds of of tufting for seating, and what is a what is appeal commonly defined as. Um, it's an all online certification now. Uh, there is an overview course. There is a textbook that corresponds to it. It usually, if somebody's interested in becoming CFSP on the NAFM website under the CFSP tab, so at nafm.org under the CFSP tab, it details everything about the CFSP program and what the road is like to earn the, the designation, the types of industry experience that count towards 35 credits that are necessary to have in place before you're allowed to sit for the exam and then carry the designation. Okay, how about that? And is there what is the cost associated with that? Do you know? Um, it is seven seventy five, and you can uh, pick the package that works best for you. Whether or not you want the materials online, you want a printed copy of the book that's a print on demand situation. If you have company, if a company has a number of people that they're interested in putting through um, to earn their CFSP certification, there are discounts for multiple people. So the base price is seven seventy five, and then it goes down to five ninety for, I think, up to ten people per company, and then it's three ninety maybe after that. It's all detailed on the site too, um, but there are group discounts. Excellent, excellent. Again, with us today is Deirdre Flynn. She's the executive vice president at NAFM, and thank you very much for your time today. And we all look forward to seeing you in person and everybody else in person at the uh, NAFM show. Uh, in Thanks so much, Kirby. You're very welcome. We appreciate all the members do, and we'll see you in Orlando. We'll see you in Orlando.